0: Hi again, everybody, I'm Dan Horde, and this is the Bengals Booth Podcast. The I can't, I can't, I can't stand losing. I can't, I can't, I can't stand losing Addition, As the Bengals franchise record losing streak stands at 13 games over the last two seasons following a 16-10 loss to their tormentors from Western PA, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Coming up, you'll hear radio replays, locker room comments, And Dave Lapham will join me for post-game analysis. Plus, in this week's Fun Facts conversation, we'll meet the person under the pads as I'll talk to a Bengals defensive lineman who says if he could meet anybody on Earth, it would be the world's third wealthiest person, Warren Buffett. All of that is straight ahead, but first, here's a quick reminder that you can have the latest edition of this podcast delivered right to your phone, tablet, or computer by subscribing on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, or Podbean. It's the greatest thing since... a Yeti thermos. My wife has a thermos that she uses to take coffee to work made by Yeti, Y-E-T-I. It's incredible. According to the Yeti website, the key is its double-walled, vacuum-sealed insulation that can keep hot liquid hot or cold liquid cold for more than 24 hours with ease. They're not cheap, but if you're looking for space-age technology in a thermos, Yeti is the way to go. Let's get to football. The Pittsburgh Steelers' dominance at Paul Brown Stadium defies logic and almost defies description. Heading into Sunday's game, the Steelers' all-time record at PBS was 18-3. Let me repeat that. 18-3! But most of those wins were started by Ben Roethlisberger. He's 15-2 and at Paul Brown Stadium, but Big Ben obviously wasn't in uniform this time due to his season-ending elbow injury. Instead, the Steelers' QB was Mason Rudolph in his first start since Miles Garrett tried to club him in the noggin with Rudolph's own helmet. Rudolph threw four interceptions last week in Cleveland and threw another in the first quarter on Sunday. Rudolph back to throw. His pass it. gets deflected. Yeah. It's intercepted at the four-yard line. Baby. And the Bengals are running it back. Sean Williams to the 15-yard line. That's where he's tackled as Cincinnati gets a deflection at the line of scrimmage. And the ball floated right into the arms of safety Sean Williams. Carlos Dunlap deflected the pass, and the game was scoreless after a quarter. The Bengals dodged a bullet on that drive, but the next time the Steelers reached the red zone... They took the lead. Chris Boswell in to attempt a 26-yard field goal try. He has never missed a kick in his life against the Cincinnati Bengals. Would you believe 44 for 44 between field goals and PATs? Make it 45 for 45 as he drills the short field goal and gives the Steelers a 3-0 lead with 321 left in the half. To that point, the Bengals' offense had been anemic under rookie quarterback Ryan Finley, they had a total of 27 yards on their first four possessions. But that changed in the blink of an eye, thanks to Tyler Boyd. Finley fakes a handoff, he's back to throw. Looking, looking, cutting it deep downfield for Tyler Boyd. Oh, Boyd makes a one-handed nice. catch at the Pittsburgh 15-yard nice. line. What a grab with the left hand, despite blanket coverage by Terrell Edmonds. That 47-yard gain put the Bengals at the 15-yard line, and on the next play, Finley went right back to number 83. Bengals have two receivers out to the right, one out to the left. Finley waiting for a shotgun snap back at the 20. He'll look to pass. He's going to throw it for the end zone, and Tyler Boyd, he goes up. He grabs the ball. It's a touchdown as he pushed off. Joe Hayden, no penalty flag, and then Boyd hauled it in for a Bengals touchdown. That gave the Bengals their biggest halftime lead of the year, 7 to 3. Here's Ryan Finley on Tyler Boyd. Unbelievable play by Tyler. Um he's just a playmaker and we talked about all week just giving him a chance on
1: those one-on-one 50-50 balls and he's going to come down with it. He did it twice in a row. He did it on that one and then he did it for the touchdown. So, unbelievable job by him. He's He's a heck of a player, and we need to do that more, just give him opportunities, to just make a play.
0: The Steelers got the ball to begin the third quarter and went backward on their first possession of the second half. Rudolph back to throw, bouncing in the pocket, now forced yeah. to scramble, yeah. and sacked. Oh, Throws the ball at the grounding. very end. That should be intentional grounding. He was definitely in the grasp. They're going to just call oh, it a sack. sack. Yeah. Back at the 11-yard line, and big Andrew Billings... Grab Mason Rudolph. At that point, Steelers coach Mike Tomlin had seen enough. Rudolph had a passer rating of 39.8, and the Steelers had just three points after seven possessions. So Tomlin yanked Rudolph and turned to undrafted rookie quarterback Devlin Duck Hodges. He got the nickname when he won a national duck calling contest a decade ago. And it took him just three plays to give Pittsburgh the lead. Second and 17, he catches this one cleanly, looking to pass, fires deep down the middle Whoa. of the field, James Washington wide open, a Bengal fell down. Washington sprinting down the field, stiff arms B.W. Webb pushes him over and runs into the end zone for a 79-yard touchdown. Unbelievable. The pass was thrown about 30 yards downfield. Will Jackson slipped next to Washington as he caught the ball. And Webb got pushed over near the twenty five yard line. Here's BW on Washington's big play. Uh,
1: he made a good play. Um see I just couldn't
0: I gotta, I gotta get him down. The Bengals were able to answer thanks to strong running by Joe Mixon. He carried eighteen times for seventy-nine yards in the game, and thirty-eight of those yards came on Cincinnati's next drive to set up a game-tying field goal. Kevin Huber ready for the snap from Clark Harris. Extends the right hand, catches it, puts it down. Bullock's kick on its way. It is good, and the Bengals have tied the game with 5.07 left here in the third quarter. It was 10-10 going to the fourth quarter. The Steelers got the ball with 14.20 to go, and on third and eight at their own 31, Hodges threw an incompletion that appeared to end the drive. But a late penalty flag came out, for pass interference on B.W. Webb, a questionable call that the Bengals did not challenge. On the very next play, Webb was called for another pass interference penalty, this time guilty as charged, giving the Steelers 26 more yards. I told you before we started doing this interview, I was surprised the team didn't challenge the first interference call uh, against you. Did you think? That you did anything there?
1: Uh, I don't think I did, but, I mean, I guess the ref seen something that the whole world didn't see. But, I mean, I can't complain about it. He called it. Got to move on.
0: Was that in your head on the next play?
1: Nope. Not at all. DB, man. We short memory. Get on to the next play.
0: Those penalties led to a 47-yard field goal by Chris Boswell, giving Pittsburgh a 13-10 lead. There was plenty of time left and it looked like the Bengals were going to take the lead right back. First and 10 at the Pittsburgh 30. Finley under center, fakes a handoff. He's back to throw, has time, floats it deep. Caught by Boyd at the 10. The ball comes out. The Steelers scoop it up at the 6. They're running it back. Minka Fitzpatrick at the 40, and he'll be pulled down at the 43-yard line. Unreal. Tyler Boyd finished with five catches for 101 yards, but his fumble cost the Bengals... A first-and-goal opportunity near the five-yard line.
2: You know, I felt like um, I put uh, Finley in a horrible situation, man. Put him in a tough, tough situation. He's a first-year player. And, uh, man, I make that play, We three more plays to try to get it in down there. Instead, uh, we backed up. I really do honestly believe if I make this play and I hold the ball, then we win the game.
0: Devin Bush just got a hand in there and punched it out. Uh, He made a great tackle. You know, if I just
2: secure the ball, then it don't happen.
0: Cincinnati never threatened again. After another Boswell field goal made at 16-10, the Bengals got the ball for the final time with about three minutes to go. Ready to snap it on second down and two in a tightly bunched formation. Finley back to throw. Good protection. Now the pocket closes. And Bud Dupree knocks the ball away from Ryan Finley. He's got the football. And the Steelers recover at the 21-yard line.
3: Finley has got to understand that you have to have ball security in the pocket. Every time he gets hit in the pocket, it seems like the ball comes out.
0: Finley has fumbled four times in three starts. He's completed 47% of his throws and has a passer rating of 62.1. More importantly, the Bengals are 0-3 in those games, scoring 13, 10, and 10 points. They're 0-11 overall, after losing to the Steelers 16 to 10, Lap spent four minutes with Zach Taylor after the game.
3: Coach, it's uh, you know a frustrating game. Obviously, you had uh, had chances, had chances to win this football game, put it away. I mean, turnovers always end up being a big story in every football game, and this year you haven't had one a game where you're plus. You finished the game with a plus category. You've been even. And uh, had a one turnover advantage. But in the second half, they got a couple of takeaways. And they proved to be a big difference in the football game.
1: You know it. I mean, it's we're 0 11 so far in winning the turnover battle. Um, you know, We had the big one in, in the first half, where the defense made a huge play that, that got things in the right direction for us. But in the second half, we gave two of them away. And that's you're going to lose a lot of games in the NFL when you're playing that way.
3: The game can be so cruel. Tyler Boyd had a big day. I mean, he had five catches over 100 yards and he catches the football, and, you know, you have to give Bush credit. He got beaten, but he stayed after it, and Tomahawk chopped and punched, and and the ball came out, and that turned into, you know, I mean, you had at least three, maybe more, and then, you know, Fitzpatrick flips field position by 40 yards. I mean, that play was a big one, wasn't it?
1: It is. got to do a better job with the ball security. That's what Steelers really have, have made their living on this year is creating turnovers on defense and flipping the field, and um, they did a great job. Credit to them.
3: Ryan Finley, uh, in terms of ball security. I mean in, in the pocket, when he gets hit, seems like the ball's and you you had mentioned it, you know, a while back that he has to not be as loose with the football when he's running with it or, you know, in the pocket. I mean that's a tough lesson that he's learning,
1: isn't it? That's that's part of quarterback plays, you got to be strong with the ball in the pocket and and know that when a play gets extended as long as it goes sometimes they're going to be coming after that thing and they had good edge rushers I think Dupree got the last one from what I could see and so uh, those guys have a knack for that kind of stuff and, and you can't let that beat you and today it did
3: so Bush th- that was the fifth fumble that that kid's forced I think he might be might be leading the National Football League and like you mentioned coming into the game there were I think 26 takeaways second most in the in the league so I mean and I th- I think I remember that of the 200 points they scored as an offense, 94 were set up by by defensive plays, and that was kind of the story of today's game as well.
1: It was. That's that's what they've done all season. We talked about it. We knew that that was going to be a big part of the game, and uh, we we still let it come up and bite us.
3: So you you got a young quarterback that you know hasn't completed 50 percent of his passes yet, and is maybe, you know, tr- working hard to see the field but not getting it out maybe as quickly as he as he hopes he might and maybe as you hope he might. How do you how do you uh expedite that process? How do you like, you know, accelerate that part of his game?
1: Well, it's it's again, it's on the whole unit. Everyone's got to do their job and uh, you know, if we hit that big play down there and we have the ball down around the ten yard line and we score, then we're really not in position to where we got to drop back and and have those ball security issues. So, again, it's it's everyone's just got to do a great job and and help a young quarterback out, and um, we'll get there.
3: So, I, I, at this point, eleven eleven uh, losses, six of them now by a score or less, seven of them by ten points or less. I mean, it, it's not like it's not it's not there. I mean, the possibility of winning football games is there. It's just getting that
1: that final. It's one play. I mean, it's just getting over that hump with a play or two. Just missing that game changing play. And it can be in any phase of the game. Um, that's what we need. We need to step up and someone make that play in the fourth quarter. And unfortunately, today we weren't able to make that happen.
3: I'm sure you. We, I always appreciate you carving time with us because I know you've already had your presser, and I'm sure that was this question was asked. What's your thought? I know you. You know the game's over. There's emotions and all that, but your thought at the quarterback position? Do you stay with Ryan Finley? Do you make a change there? What do you do?
1: Well, well the comment I made was if if you benched every quarterback, every rookie after three games, and there'd be no quarterbacks in this league. You know, it's it's uh, you got to give those time guys a chance to grow and uh, correct their mistakes and and uh, really see what you got.
3: Your defense, two games in a row, gave up 17 points, gave up 16 points. In the, in the NFL, I mean, that, that's winning play on that side of the football. You have to be
1: proud of how your defense has come out. It is, you know, and we got to match that on the other side of the ball. You know, or get a big play on special teams, something, but, but our defense the last two weeks, I think that they've done the things that we've asked them to do, and they've given us a chance to win.
0: Before we get to analysis, let's hear from one more player. Cordy Glenn was the Bengals left tackle on Sunday, playing for the first time since week two of the preseason. Glenn spent nearly two months in concussion protocol and spoke to reporters after the game. Was it meaningful to be back out there, Cordy?
4: Yeah, it felt good. I mean, I haven't played football in so long. I mean, especially playing against the Steelers. It actually was fun. I mean, obviously we didn't win the game, but it felt great to be back out there, especially when you like you don't know which, if you can play football or how your career is going to go, and it's kind of up and down.
0: Did you think that your career was in jeopardy?
4: I mean, you don't. I mean, obviously, you don't. I mean, you don't know. I mean, and it was a certain type of injuries. It's kind of like, kind of question everything. So it felt great to be out there today. Do you feel like
0: stuff that's been said about you has been unfair?
4: I don't know. I, honestly, I really don't. Try to read into that and read too much into that. I mean, stuff is going to be said about anybody, um, good or bad, I don't know. But in the, the day, like, all I can control is what uh, my thoughts are in my head, and
0: that's kind of how I live life. Have you kind of reached a, a let bygones be bygones point with, you know, teammates, coaches, whatever, where you just want to kind of move forward from here? Yeah, it's,
4: I mean, it's been like that for a while. I mean, I think, I mean, whatever the incident was, uh, uh, I don't know how long ago it was, I mean, kind of. As soon as it happened, I kind of just kind of wanted to let it go then. But I don't know. It just, uh, I don't know. I I, I try to just press forward every day and I don't try to, you know, hold on to things too long and just, you know, just keep working and trying to help the team out is all I really um, think about. Not so much, you know, worrying about, oh, this happened, so I have to, like, you know, just drag it on, drag it on, and just keep it going. Just kind of move forward and just, just let it go. Do
0: you have a year left on your deal? Could you see yourself staying here?
4: I mean, I can see a lot of different scenarios. I mean, honestly, I don't know. I don't know. Honestly, I'm just trying to go out there and play hard as I can these last couple of games. And whatever happens, happens. I mean, I can't control that.
1: Corey, how difficult has it been for you just to watch the season play out from the sidelines?
4: I mean, it's kind of, it's, it's, it's. I think it's extremely difficult. Not only just watching the season or watching all the games from the sidelines, just not knowing, like, what your future holds. Because, you know, it's certain type of injuries you can't really control or you can't really it's not like, oh, it's, it's a 46-week thing. You just like you kind of have to, you don't know when you're going to feel better or whatever. So, I mean, it felt great to be out there today and helping the team out. Obviously, uh, I got to finish at the end of the game, but um, I mean, we
0: fought hard, and we know we need to do, and we, we're, we're real close. We have been close for the last two games, but that doesn't mean much when you've gone 343 days without a win. Time for postgame analysis with Lap bottom line to me is pretty simple today lap the defense played well enough to win the offense did not two weeks in a row same story out in oakland
3: defense played well enough to win offense didn't today defense plays well enough to win offense does it you have a rookie quarterback that's struggling to get the ball out of his hand in a timely fashion one thing you can say about andy dalton you can criticize a lot of things if you want to but never criticize he got the ball out of his hand it was always like Oh, he's right there. He's one, two, or three in the league in terms of time from receiving a snap to getting it out of his hand. I mean, the only guy quicker a lot of times was Brady. So Andy Dalton saw it and got rid of it. And um, right now, Ryan Finley is struggling in that area, holding on to the football. And I mean, the protection was light years better than it was in Pittsburgh. There's no question about it. Um, but, you know, Ryan had, had issues holding on to it. And then when he gets hit, HOLDING ON TO THE FOOTBALL, THE BALL SECURITY PART OF IT, YOU KNOW, STRIP, SACK, fumble RECOVERY BY DUPREE, uh, LATE IN THE FOOTBALL GAME, EARLY IN THE GAME, T.J. WATT, SACK, STRIP, DON'T, don't LOSE if Bengals RECOVER IT, BUT THOSE KIND OF THINGS ARE, are KILLER, YOU KNOW, YOU HAVE TO,
0: HE'S HAD, uh, RYAN'S HAD TURNOVERS IN EVERY GAME, EVERY GAME. THE SCOUTING REPORT ON RYAN FINLEY COMING OUT OF NC STATE WAS THAT HIS STRENGTHS WERE ANTICIPATION AND ACCURACY. He's completing less than 50% of his throws through three starts, and as you mentioned, he isn't seeing things all that great and is having a hard time getting the ball out of his hands.
3: You know, and part of it, too, is maybe he's seeing it, but it's not there. You know, it's, it's the same problem that we've talked about all season long in that there's no receivers to take the top off of defense, and everybody is playing everything, you know, in front of them. I mean, it's like nobody nobody is challenging them to, to open up areas of the football field. So... There's tight traffic everywhere. I mean, his windows a lot of times are not big, but you know, sometimes he's not putting enough zip on the football. I mean, there's a myriad of issues. Do some of them come back to him? For sure. Do some of them come back to his receivers? Absolutely. At times, does some come back to the offensive line? No doubt. Bottom line is it's just not good enough offensively and they wasted two winning defensive performances on a back-to-back weeks that
0: uh, you just can't waste in the NFL. You have described to me in the past after the, some of the tough games in your NFL career, you'd lie, at, lie in bed at night replaying the game on the ceiling, essentially. Tyler Boyd's going to have one of those nights. He's so upset with himself for that fumble inside the 10 that basically killed the Bengals' last good chance.
3: Yeah, he was he was about as stand-up, as I can recall. Tyler Boyd is a, is a man's man. You know, I mean, he had five catches for over 100 yards, so he put him in position. You know, he had the the play where Ryan Finley just, you know, Ryan Finley said it was an unbelievable play. He wasn't even open. I just said, okay, I'm going to give him a shot and see if he can win, and he won. Won on a 50-50 ball, just on his shoulder pad, cradling the thing, and it it was amazing to see, and then follows it up with a 15-yard touchdown reception. But, I mean, the fumble, you you know, you have to give uh, linebacker Bush a lot of credit. He was beaten. You got a wide receiver on a running back. I don't care if you're a rookie or a 20-year veteran. That's a matchup you're going to. He went to Tyler Boyd, and and Bush was beaten. But he said, you know what? I'm not quitting on it. Tomahawk chop with the right hand, punch with the left. And that's what the Pittsburgh Steelers are all about. Coming into the game, 94 of the 200 points by the offense were courtesy of takeaways by the Steelers' defense. They had 26 coming in. Now make it 28. I mean, they just take it away. And, and give the uh, the offense uh, opportunity and Mike, Mike Fitzpatrick picks it up and runs it on a return for over 40 yards to change field position, because the Bengals were in the red zone. They're scoring points. It's at least three for them, maybe seven. And so you, you got a huge swing there that's just astronomical in a tight game like this one.
0: Cordy Glenn returned to the Bengals starting lineup after missing several months in concussion protocol. How did he do? And what did you think of his post-game comments?
3: welcome back i mean it's about time and uh i mean he's the best left tackle they have there's no doubt about it he's mammoth uh and he can move he's m squared you know he's got movement and he is a, a mammoth behemoth so i mean he's gonna he's gonna pass protect uh, dupree you know had a couple of couple of plays but he's gonna have a couple of plays on just about everybody again i think that his, his probably his pass protection is better than his run run game um didn't have to worry about conditioning because they had 30,000 three and outs. So <laughs> that wasn't any kind of an issue. It was literally eight or nine, wasn't it? Three and outs. I was, think eight. It, it, that's mind boggling. So, you know, you weren't going to, you weren't going to have to worry about uh, endurance, you know, when you're off the field and three snaps like that. So um, I think it's a good starting point. You know, he talked about finishing, which I think is something that everybody has to take into consideration. You have to improve in that area, obviously, finish plays and then finish games. Um, But, yeah, it was interesting. He, um, in terms of, you know, taking so long to play, I don't know. I I just don't know what to make of it other than, you know, I think in all of his teammates' estimation and everybody else, it was just so long, so long. And he didn't want to get into the – you know, I asked him, was it headaches, was it dizziness, was it balance? He didn't want to get into it, so – Bottom line is he's back,
0: and they're better at left tackle with Cody Glenn. No Ben Roethlisberger. Mason Rudolph didn't have his helmet taken away by Miles Garrett today. He had it taken away by his head coach. He got benched in favor of rookie Devlin Duck Hodges, and one 79-yard touchdown pass was enough for the Steelers to come into Paul Brown Stadium yet again and leave town with a win. They've won seven straight games
3: at Paul Brown Stadium. Tomlin is just Tomlin, no Ben Roethlisberger, but the Pittsburgh Steelers in, in, in general, it's Pittsburgh West. They're more comfortable here at Paul Brown Stadium than I think any stadium in the National Football League. It's almost ridiculous. You know, they, they've won 10 in a row now. They've won 13 out of out of 14, 18 out of 21. It's, it's crazy. It's crazy
0: how much they've dominated this series. 19-3 and all-time here at Paul Brown Stadium. You are shaking your head. I'm stupefied. (laughs) Up next, a home game against the Jets. Three weeks ago, when the Bengals were 0-8, the Jets were 1-7. Now, New York is 4-7 after wins over the Giants, Redskins, and Raiders. The first two wins were against weak opponents, but they smoked the 6-4 Raiders on Sunday, 34-3. Oakland's loss, and Pittsburgh's win puts the Steelers back into the sixth and final playoff slot in the AFC, at least for now. Now time for this week's Fun Facts conversation as we get to know the person under the pads. This week, it's a member of last year's draft class. Time for some Fun Facts with Bengals defensive lineman Andrew Brown from Chesapeake, Virginia in the Virginia Beach, Norfolk area. Did you grow up in the city or the country?
2: Suburb, it was like in between for real, for real. It wasn't really like necessarily the city, but yeah.
0: What'd you do for fun as a kid?
2: Dang, as a kid, played football for real, for real. Like, that was the only outlet I had besides, you know, eating ice cream and watching TV shows all day. You know what, <laughs> what I'm saying?
0: <laughs> Andrew, you're a big man now, and you are a big kid. Mm-hmm. I've read that the other kids weren't always kind.
2: Man, And they were, I got picked on a lot growing up, you know what I'm saying, for always being the biggest guy, you know, I would always go home and cry stuff to my mom and stuff like that. It's just funny, man, because the tables turned one day. I actually saw one of the kids that used to bully me in high school uh, my senior year, and uh, I recognized him. It was just crazy how the tables had turned. He remembered, too, how he used to pick on me back in the day. (laughs) So it was funny, man.
0: Did it turn as you became a star athlete?
2: Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Everybody hated me, and then I, everybody loved me just like that. Crazy.
0: We're doing fun facts with Andrew Brown. You mentioned your mom, and she mm-hmm. passed away when you were young. You were 11 years old when she passed away from cancer. Did that bring you and your dad close together?
2: Well, she had passed away from cardiac arrest. She had had breast cancer. She was 10 years in remission. Mm. Yeah, it was crazy, man. But it, uh, it definitely affected the family dynamic, you know, when she passed away. But we, we dealt with it, and we got closer together
0: she inspires you to this day oh yeah
2: always every day i wake up in the morning think about
0: you wore the number nine at virginia as a tribute to her correct
2: yep because of december 9th 2007 which is coming up
0: so as a senior in high school you were the national gatorade high school football player of the year and i don't mean the defensive end of the year i mean the player of the year. They pick one. Yep. So, <laughs> Emmett Smith won that. Peyton Manning won that. Kyler Murray won it the year after you won it. What was your reaction to that? Is that a blessing or a burden to just have that kind of spotlight placed on you?
2: Honestly, I will always see that as a blessing. Because when I was walking that red carpet with all the famous people, like, in L.A., you know what I'm saying, the ESPY Awards, like, it opened my eyes and made me realize, like, it's a lot to life. And you know it definitely like made me want to work harder so that I could get back to where I was you know
0: yeah so as a high school senior you get invited to the ESPYs yeah. as a result so <laughs> you are hobnobbing with the biggest name in sport <laughs> biggest names in sports as a high school senior yeah it was
2: unreal like just seeing all of that man and seeing the way they live that lifestyle it was, it's out of here <laughs>
0: <laughs> where's the trophy
2: Uh, At my pop's house. I got one. They gave me two trophies, one to keep at the school, at my high school, and then one at my uh, dad's house.
0: Yep. We're doing fun facts with Andrew Brown. So when you are the national high school football player of the year, naturally you could go anywhere. Mm -hmm. You chose Virginia. Why?
2: Well, mainly because a lot of the guys from my area was going there at the time. And then uh, also the number one safety in college, Quinn Blanding, he was the number one in his position coming out, and we were from the same area. We were all from the same area, stuff like that. So we figured, you know, why not try to put our state on the map, you know? Now they're going to ball games and stuff like that, man. So I feel like we were definitely a part of the foundation that got things turned around
0: at the school. We're doing fun facts with Andrew Brown. They don't hand you a degree at Virginia, it's a very prestigious academic institution, and you earned your degree. How did you juggle academics and football?
2: Uh, Well, basically, it's all about time management and what you choose to do with your time. Some people choose, you know, they have poor decisions when it comes to that. And I stayed on top of my education, my grind. Uh, Basically, just be where you're supposed to be (laughs) and do your work. (laughs) That's all. Can't fail, man.
0: Did you arrive there with that attitude, or did you develop it over the course of your college career? I, know,
2: I always had it, you know. I had it. My pops, man, he was hard on me growing up. I'm talking about having to clean the whole house before going to football practice. You know what I'm saying? So and cut the grass. So, <laughs> so we talk about like some hard nosed stuff. But yeah, man, I was very disciplined going into college.
0: Of the things that you've accomplished, what's made your father proudest?
2: Graduating from college. He says that to me all the time. Like He says, you know, because I was the first one to do it in my family. So just for me to be able to change the tide a little bit, it was cool.
0: So after a great career in Virginia, you get invited to the Senior Bowl and you knocked it out of the park. Scouts started raving about your potential and, and what they thought your NFL possibilities might be. Did you sense that in the moment? Could you tell that these NFL guys with their notepads were starting to go, ooh, who's that guy?
2: Yeah, yeah, it was fun, man. I was turning up out there because once I started letting loose out there, like, I did notice, like, the media started to pick us, a little bit more scouts started to talk to me. So, like, it was cool, man.
0: So, after that experience, you wound up being drafted by Cincinnati. Describe draft day.
2: Man, so I had a beach house in Virginia Beach, right? And uh, all my family was there, my friends were there, man. We was having fun, man. And when my name got called, of course, the whole house, I was actually in the shower when my name got called, man. Could you believe that? Man, so my name gets called. The next thing you know, man, I'm celebrating in the living room with my dad and everything. That night, we went crazy. You know what I'm saying? We had a good time.
0: So if you were in the shower, when you got picked, did it go to voicemail, or were you able to scramble and and stick your hand outside of the curtain?
2: No, 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 no. I was able to, like, get the phone and stuff like that, man. I was like, oh, man,
0: going crazy. All right, a few non-football topics for Andrew Brown. You are a budding music producer, correct? Yes, sir. Tell us about it.
2: It all started when my mom and my grandma enrolled me in piano lessons growing up. Uh, And I kind of leaned away from that as I got more serious with football, but I incorporated it within the music production, which I found. Like, my grandma had bought me this this program called FL Studio One Christmas, and this was in middle school. And ever since then, man, I just always was – trying to create new sounds and things like that it was just always a passion that I had. I was good at it. And once I got more serious each Christmas my dad would buy me a new piece of equipment, mm-hmm. musical equipment, go with it. And um it would definitely be like my out my outlet off the field. You know what I'm saying? And um I love it, man.
0: So earlier this year you faced the Buffalo Bills. And I'm doing my homework on their players and I read about Cole Beasley and how he's come out <laughs> with a, a hip hop album in yeah. the off season. I had no idea you collaborated.
2: Oh yeah, man. We still are. We got a lot we got a lot of songs coming out. And um we're building our portfolio slowly but surely.
0: So for people interested in that type of music, tell them about Cole Beasley and, and your collaboration.
2: Man, let me tell you something. That boy can rap like the way like his melody is with his tunes too, like when he um, starts to like sing a little bit on the song as well is pretty
0: cool too. So I'm excited to see how this turns out,
2: man. This project is gonna be big.
0: So your Twitter handle is Drizzo Beats. Yes, is, right that right. Oh. <laughs> is that the company? Or is that stand for something else?
2: Uh, uh, I guess you could call it a company, but that's gonna be that's mainly like my name. That's like my producer name.
0: Gotcha. Yeah. So that's your Jay Z.
2: Right. 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 <laughs>
0: All right, a few more fun facts for Andrew Brown. If you could meet anybody in history, athlete, entertainer, politician, famous historical figure, whatever, who would it be?
2: Warren Buffett.
0: Warren Buffett. For sure. You want to be rich. I'm wealthy. (laughs) (laughs) I want to talk to Warren Buffett. And would you seek specific investment advice or just how he thinks? both (laughs) i'm
2: trying to get the whole package like just just lock in with him for one like 24 hours talk to him like pick his brain you know see his thought process see what moves he makes why he makes those specific moves you know soak game from him
0: it's an excellent answer do you have any hidden talents
2: hidden talent i could draw
0: really i could draw pretty good man
2: yeah especially realism
0: so, do you have your own artwork on display at your apartment or, or home?
2: Nah, man, but I, sh- I, I should draw something. But um, I got a couple, like, doodles, you know what I'm saying, on my phone. So, I tell you stuff that I'll take a picture of it. It's pretty cool. All
0: right. So, you're a budding music producer and you can draw. On the flip side, what are you absolutely terrible at? Skating. Roller or ice? Both.
2: <laughs> Don't put me in some skates, man. i tear the floor up (laughs) i'll tell you i can never get it i don't know why
0: you know bw webb who's from your neck of the woods is an avid skater are you aware of that
2: he's always rolling on his single wheel thing here so it's like um, no surprise
0: okay if you've got to choose a talent music and art are superior to skating i think you're working out okay (laughs) (laughs) i enjoyed this best of luck the rest of the year thanks for your time thank you sir That's Fun Facts with Andrew Brown. Here's a quick invitation to join us on location at one of our radio shows this week. On Friday afternoon from 2.30 to 5.30, we'll be at Buffalo Wings and Rings in Finneytown for the Bengals Pep Rally Show. A current member of the team will join us and we'll have plenty of giveaways too. That's going to do it for this episode of the podcast. If you haven't done so already, don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you have a minute, Please give it a rating or share a comment. Five-star ratings help more fans find this podcast. I'm Dan Horde, and thank you for listening to the Bengals Booth Podcast.